This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, scooting into episode number three. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and today in episode number three, I'm really excited because we have our first guest on the episode. I'm going to tell you about her in just a minute. We're not going to have any announcements today, but I do want to go over something quick that's going on in the news right now, and that is a petition. This is actually local for those of you who are in Ontario, Canada, but it's an issue that all of us should be aware of. So the issue that they're petitioning for is stopping unnecessary antibiotic eye treatment for newborns. If you don't know what this is, this is the gel stuff that they put on your baby's eyes when he or she is a newborn. This is mandatory in Ontario, and they want to stop it being mandatory. Most other places you can opt out of it by signing a a waiver as a parent that you don't want it for your baby. If you are in Ontario and you want to check out that petition and how to sign the petition to stop it being a mandatory procedure, then go to Facebook and search for Stop Unnecessary Antibiotic Eye Treatment for Newborns, and you'll find their page, links to the petition, and more information. Why would we want to stop this from being mandatory? Like I said, this is an antibiotic ointment. The antibiotic that it is is urethromycin. And like other antibiotics, its overuse can help to encourage the growth of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And that's definitely an over-the-horizon. We want to be paying attention to that concern. The other reasons that we want to make this not mandatory is it blurs your baby's vision, which is already a little bit blurry, and it can interrupt that physiological bonding process with your baby. Why do they use it in the first place? It's been used for a while. This has become a lot more common in the past. Things like silver nitrate drops were used. The antibiotic ointment is much more common nowadays, and it's used to prevent blindness in babies whose mothers have contracted an STD, in particular gonorrhea or chlamydia. Moms can choose to be tested for all of these STDs at any point during pregnancy. So if you were concerned about it, you could be tested for it and know for sure that you were free of that STD unless you engaged in some sort of risky sexual behavior after the test, you would be relatively assured that that was not a problem for you and your baby. So this could be good for a baby who is at risk, but for other babies it's unnecessary and it can really increase bonding. There's also some evidence that it may increase allergies to antibiotics, which could be a very bad thing later on in life if your child needs a life-saving antibiotic and has developed an allergy for it. So I wanted to cover this 
real quick because I do feel like it's an important issue. If you want more information on it, if you're in Ontario and want to sign the petition, again, the group petitioning for this has a Facebook page. Look them up on Facebook at Stop Unnecessary Antibiotic Eye Treatment for Newborns. And also feel confident that if you aren't worried about STDs and you're anywhere in the world, that you can and probably should opt out of this treatment for your baby, which is an additional procedure that can interrupt that bonding time and can interrupt your newborn's ability to see, possibly set them up for allergies later in life. And it's generally just unnecessary for your little one. And you can enjoy that time with your baby more when he or she hasn't been taken away to have an unnecessary procedure done. Having said that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the interview. Our first interview is with Andrea Olson, and she is the author of the great ebook Easy Simplified, which is a book on elimination communication, and it's the best one that I've found. It's just a really clear, essentially easy for dummies kind of starter guide, but it doesn't stop on that basic level. It covers all your questions, and Andrea's just released the 2.0 edition, which goes into a lot more detail and a lot of great information, and you're going to hear us talk about that on the interview. So with that, let's get to the interview with Andrea. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I've got Andrea Olson on the line. Andrea is the author of EC Simplified, the fabulous go-to guide on elimination communication. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Okay, we have several questions for Andrea to go through to get to know her a little bit, and then we have some questions that you guys sent in, so I'm really excited to get started. So, Andrea, can you tell us first, because a lot of people don't know, what is elimination communication? Sure. Um, it definitely is something that's not all that popular yet, that there's a handful of us doing it throughout the world. Uh, basically, EC, which is what it's called for short, is a natural alternative to doing diapering full-time and to doing the eventual dreaded toddler toilet training. Um, it is actually based on your baby's inborn instincts, so it's not a fabrication of any sort. It's based on things that are already happening. Uh, for instance, when a baby's fussy and uh, a few minutes later you realize that the diaper's wet and that's why they were fussy, they actually were probably getting fussy because they wanted to pee outside of their diaper. So that's kind of the premise that EC is based on. It was adapted from tribal practices around the world to fit into our busier, more distracted, everyday lives. And um, we've been learning about it, I suppose, for the last 15 years now and integrating into society to kind of reverse what's been happening with just um, children spending longer and longer in diapers. And um, besides instincts, it's also based on your own intuition and um, the signals that a baby gives and their natural timing. So there's lots of different things that inform EC and an EC practice. And it's also great that you can do it full-time or part-time. Um, some people only do it once a day, and it eliminates that many more diapers for them. Okay, that sounds really cool. But tell me, so babies actually know when they need to go? I mean, I thought reading all the information from the big baby care books and things, it sounds like 
you shouldn't force anything, no potty training, late potty training, like you said, is the trend. So you're telling me that my baby actually knows that he or she needs to eliminate? Yes. And if um, the best way to understand how could a baby possibly know and also how could it possibly have sphincter control at such a young age is to look at over half the world's population. Um, the children of over half the world are potty trained by six months to one year old. So if it were not physically or physiologically possible and if it were indeed psychologically damaging, then over half the world's children would be pretty messed up and um, and it wouldn't work. And in cultures where they don't have access to diapers or it's warm and they don't have clothing on them, um, it's really just something that's been done for over how long have humans been around? 200,000 years or so. Um, it's just the way that it's always been done up until the invention of cloth diapers, which were commercially available only about 150 years ago and disposable about six years ago. Um, yeah, it does say in all the medical texts that uh, sphincter control cannot be reached until 18 months. But uh, my son had it at about two weeks, and there's no forcing or any kind of weird. There's a lot of bad PR about early potty training because back in the early 1900s they did do that, and it was very coercive and lots of really uh, questionable practices going on back then. So elimination communication, though, just in a nutshell, is very gentle. Okay, that's great. So we know that elimination communication is helping your baby use the bathroom outside of outside of a diaper in a gentle way and that your baby is going to give you cues and can have sphincter control early. But why would a parent bother with it? It sounds I mean it sounds kind of inconvenient to try and figure out when does the baby need to go? Why would it be something that that's desirable as opposed to just letting them be in a diaper and cleaning them up when you smell something? <laughs> that's a wonderful question. Um, really, honestly, who likes to change diapers? This is something <laughs> that we do. <laughs> you know, you and I have both done that a few times. I, I don't know that it's something that everybody really enjoys. Um, however, if we all change diapers, then nobody really needs to think about it, and nobody needs to think about any other way, and it feels less threatening if you're diapering because your neighbors are diapering. But honestly, most parents who are just tired of changing diapers or who don't feel right doing it um, do bother with trying to learn easy because it means that much to them. Some of them are dealing with diaper rash that just won't go away, cloth or disposable. Um, some have really fussy babies and they can't explain the fussiness and then they find out that it's actually because they their babies really want to pee outside of their diapers. So that's inspiration to try it. Um, others have breastfeeding issues that are actually uh, not really breastfeeding issues. Popping off the breast during feeding uh, is oftentimes caused because the baby needs to potty. So if they learn EC, the breastfeeding becomes easier and their babies get a fuller tummy. So that's a really important um, motivator for some. Uh, the other thing is people who've met others who've EC'd their children want the deeper connection that it seems like those parents have and a lot of people report that they do by connecting on just another level of needs they're getting um, closer to their babies so that's a big inspiration for those who who just want to have that good connected feeling on another level but the other 
big thing that is such a, I don't know, people just don't really understand this part until they've tried it, is when you actually, when you start EC the right way, actually from the beginning, and you know what you're doing, and you've had some information, and apply it, it's actually less time-consuming to go potty your baby and cleaner to clean up, obviously, you're not scraping poop off their bottom, yes. than diapering is. <laughs> so it's it's actually, um, it takes less time and it's a lot cleaner than diapering. And then, of course, the obvious thing is use less diapers. Instead of using them for three years, you might use them for nine months, which is a huge impact on the environment. Yes, and I can... I can definitely say our our family ECs too for all of you listening out there, which is why I really wanted to get Andrea on the show. But I can say that the dirty diaper cleanup. If Scott was skeptical about EC before our Galen was born, the dirty diaper cleanup quickly, quickly, quickly changed his mind. The EC was the easier and much less messy course. <laughs> Andrea, how did you discover EC personally? Well, my friend, I was actually, I didn't even know what a doula was at the time, but I was being her doula for her second birth uh, back in California, and she was telling me about all of her research, and one of our mutual friends, actually, so it was a, it was a kind of a far-off friend of mine, but I had heard this rumor through her that they pottied their baby over a sink, that her, their baby peed in a sink, that their baby didn't pee in a diaper, and I was just like, Wow. What in the world is that all about? So I kind of like bookmarked it in my head and said, all right, someday when I have a baby, I'm going to come back to that. Now, that was about five years ago, and I did my bookmark. My bookmarks tend to stick, and I thought, wow, I don't really want to be sitting in a room and go, oh, what's that smell? Oh, it must be the baby, and then pretend like I don't smell it and then eventually change it. You know, I, I didn't want that the usual baby experience that even my friend whose doula I was what went through, you know, she decided to do diapering instead of EC, but I remembered it, and it was, it was like something, it just made sense to me, it it felt more natural and more um, instinctual to me, and more intuitive, so I, I committed myself to remembering it, and then when it came time, I think I went on Amazon and found Christine Grosslow's book, The Diaper-Free Baby, and I read up, I had to read it about three times to really understand what in the heck I was supposed to do. But the philosophy, you know, her book's really good at, you know, kind of convincing you to try it. So um, once my baby came, it was just sort of a no-brainer. Cool. Can So tell us about your experiences once you actually started ECing with your son. Well, I... Boy, for the first several months, I really had to refer back to the book over and over again because I couldn't quite visualize what it looked like. But we we were lucky and caught the first meconium poop, which, as you know, is very sticky and yucky, yes. and you don't want that sticking to your child's beautiful bottom. Yeah, I'm um, hoping we have that kind of luck with our newborn coming next year. So <laughs> I do, too. I'm telling you, it was so great to catch that first one in a potty. And it was kind of a, an accident. I don't know. My, uh, my partner was um, he goes, oh, he's making a funny face. And sure enough, he was grimacing and looking really contorted. So um, I grabbed the potty, picked him up, held him over it, and he pooped in it. It was wild. So that was kind of motivation to keep doing it. I uh, I observed him for two weeks without pottying him, and then at two weeks I started to potty him. Um, 
he started to hold it and was really happy. Um, I don't know. It just it, fussiness was definitely his signal. And then out of his whole, he's a, he's over two now. I've only had one week of poopy diapers his whole life. He was out of diapers in the daytime by nine or ten months, and then by 17 months he qualified as potty trained which is not to say he didn't have accidents because those who are potty trained do have accidents when they're sick or moody. But, um, yeah, he was he was pretty independent with it then. And then at 24 months, we took off the nighttime backup um, because I realized he would only pee at night if he had it on. So now he's 27 months and will tell everybody in the room or just go himself, and he pulls his pants off, push, pulls them back up. He does the whole process now. That's awesome. What made you decide after this experience or during this experience, what prompted you to write EC Simplified? Well, I was living in Berkeley, and I went to a mama and baby yoga class um, every week, and I would potty my baby or leave the room once or twice every class because he was just really fussy if I didn't potty him. And everybody would ask me, what are you doing? And one day the teacher just said, oh, don't mind Andrea, she's just going to potty her baby. And everybody was just, even in Berkeley, didn't know about this. Um, so I would, I taught about five or six of my friends how to start EC with their kids based on what I'd read and experienced. And then I honestly just got tired of explaining it, and I said, I'm going to write a little pamphlet. And then that turned into a book, a 183-page book and 25 videos and an audio book. I'm kind of an overachiever, but my whole point with it was to make it easy for parents to start, you see, because for me it was so hard. I really was winging it off of what I read in plain text. I couldn't really, I, I don't know, it just, I, I missed the whole experience of having grown up with it and just been passed down to me, you know, sort of naturally. So I just, I was tired of explaining myself to people in yoga, and then I, I wrote from when my son was five months old till he was a year old. It took me that long to write this book. I did all this research, and my main goal was just to make it completely dummy-proof to be able to do EC if you wanted to. And I think you did a great job, Andrea, because when when I first flip through it it's an ebook so flip through it in the digital sense but when i went through it i was just floored it, it it is the best resource i think that is available to help parents get started with ec and you've recently well, done an you're welcome you've recently done an update and so it's ec simplified 2.0 now and in that update you really dig into helping families use elimination communication without training their baby or training their toddler to pee everywhere. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why it's so important? Because I, I think this is really pertinent to modern parents who might hear about EC and then picture little kids running around with nothing on their bottoms peeing and pooping everywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd love to talk about that. This is actually something that I, over a year of running my private support forum, have been helping people to reverse and then I thought, well, we should prevent it, too. Um, this was a major problem caused by some bad advice. Now, the people who gave the advice didn't mean for it to be bad advice, but really EC in the modern world is a reaction to um, potty training at three years old. So it's you got to think about it as a pendulum. It swung way to the other side. I'm trying to help parents find more of a balance with EC 
training them to pee on the floor is it just doesn't feel right. Even if you think you're doing the gentlest thing, it's it's actually kind of the same as diapering. Um, if you think about it, just letting them pee in a diaper for three or four years, letting them pee on your floor for three or four years, what's the difference other than there's something in between them and the floor? Yeah. So um, either way, it's convenient, right? Um, the mm-hmm. lazy way to do EC is just to leave them naked all the time and some people prefer to do that, and they have very feral children, and that's their choice, and that's probably good for their family. Um, for me, I have carpet. <laughs> I I also don't want, you know, I mean, it just doesn't feel right. So um, first thing to know is that being diaper-free, this whole diaper-free baby term, does not mean having a naked baby running around peeing all over your floor. Diaper-free means free from the dependence upon diapers. So it means that you're free from from needing diapers in your life. You can use them sometimes, like at night, and then other times when out and about, you can have them in underwear. But basically, diaper-free doesn't mean naked. It means using the diaper as a backup to encourage signaling until your child is more independent and can do it more herself. And uh, there are ways to prevent it. Using a diaper backup is a great way to prevent pee everywhere, and Having a diaper on, honestly, makes them signal louder a lot of the times. The other way to prevent it is if you have a mobile baby and you are doing naked time with them. Um, Every time the mobile baby goes to the bathroom, airlift them to the potty very gently and very um, without talking very much and set them on it and, and say the word that you want them to start saying, like potty. There's a way to teach them by repetitive physical motion that this is, we don't pee on the floor. And you can say stop when they're peeing on the floor and then move them to the potty. <clears throat> Pardon me, move them to the potty. So um, there are also ways to undo it. If you're consistent and very matter-of-fact about this, we don't pee on the floor and you will wear clothing. And it sounds kind of firm, but it's a boundary, and our children need boundaries, especially at the young toddler age. Boundaries are their best friend. Yes. Okay, that's great. I think I just I really love Andrea's matter-of-fact style, and you can just hear that. She's just she's so down-to-earth and respectful but matter-of-fact, and I think that that's essential with toddlers, and I think that her approach to EC is so very refreshing. And so thank you for really just explaining that so well. You're welcome. Thanks for asking about it. It's, it's, it's a nightmare for people who are going through it. Yeah, I know. I get I get a lot of questions from parents, and I'll admit that I even, I've had this issue myself with, okay, I've got my little one so that he can go potty if he doesn't have anything on, but as soon as I put clothes on him, he's confused. So I, I was really, it was awesome to see that update to EC Simplified and that specifically addressed because it is so pertinent to us modern parents who, you know, we, we can't just shuffle them off into the bushes. We have to teach them you wear pants and we have to pull those down or you wear a skirt and you need to pull that up or whatever they have on. So I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. All right. We've had a few questions submitted and Andrea has agreed to address a few of the most common questions that we got. So what what do you do when you hit that resist weeing period? Like the little one is testing things, going through an I'm in control, I'll pee when and where I want stage. This is a great question. Um, 
90% of resisting pottying is caused by, I don't want to blame it on the parent, but it's caused by <laughs> over <laughs> a hyper-focus on pottying. Um, so a question to ask yourself is, am I spending most of my day thinking about pottying or am I spending most of my day trying to figure this particular thing out? Because we don't really do that with food or sleep unless we have a problem and then we try to solve it. But, oh gosh, I mean, the the sphincter control aspect is directly related to mood and it is controllable. So the less pressure we put on them, even kind of non-verbally, the better. Um, there'd be less resistance. However, when there is a resistance period, because they are common, the first thing to do is not to just drop EC out of fear of upsetting your child, because it's more of a behavioral thing that's happening than an I'm damaging my child thing. So staying the course is really important. Um, taking charge of the parent, also very important. This is where we go now, and you know, just helping them to calm down and, and really talking less. When there's a resistance period, we tend to over-talk because we're afraid and we really want our children to feel better. Um, talk less, play less at the potty. The potty is just for doing the business. Um, a lot of people will sit them on there for 15 minutes and read tons of stories and play, play, play. And I understand. I, I've actually tried that myself. But all it does is teach that we play on the potty. So... <laughs> Less yeah. talk and less play will definitely help a resistance period. Um, being very matter-of-fact helps as well. Uh, sometimes people have had to gently hold their child on the potty, and they will go in it and then stop resisting. It's There is a story I heard about a three-year-old who did not want to get into her car seat, who did not want to be buckled in. Um, the parent gently but firmly held her in there and put her, um, strapped her in, and afterward the child said thank you hmm. because she really just wanted the parent to take charge, and it was a safety issue. Well, this is a hygiene issue, and I'm not saying to physically force your child ever to sit on a potty, but I am saying that they follow our lead. So if you're serious that we actually pee in the potty now, then they will be serious about it as well. Um, it takes a lot of looking in and actually a lot of support to get through resistance. Another thing that I always recommend is just to offer less. Your baby's growing up. Your toddler's getting bigger. Offer less potty-tunities, we like to call them. Um, by backing off a little bit, they actually get to take control a little bit. And, yeah, there might be misses and accidents and you just gently guide them back and stay the course. Now, if it's an absolute disaster, um, I recommend doing a reset for two weeks where you would actually have your baby in a diaper for two weeks straight and tell them every morning, we are going to have a diaper on today. If you really need to go, you can let me know. And if they really do let you know, you can take them. But it's mostly in the parent's benefit during a reset because they get to de-stress and they get to back off and they get to look inward, and they get to just connect with their children in a different way for a couple of weeks. After this reset period, it's very, very, um, I advise just starting over and doing it over the course of a couple of days and really just getting back on track. All right, we had our break. Now we're going to go at it again, and usually nine times out of ten it works. 
All right, that's that's great advice. Just all of it. I like. I haven't done a reset, but I've had. I've got a toddler right now, and she's. I really found that two things that you mentioned: backing off a little bit, and then also just if I really knew that she needed to go and she gets up from the potty, then just picking her up and just setting her gently back on the potty and saying, "Okay, Honor, you need to have a pee now." Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, like you said, she'll she'll say, "Okay," and I'll hear her start peeing. So. Just really that mm-hmm. emphasis. I think that just so great, very matter of fact. And as a parent, I I agree. We tend to start talking and babbling. I especially notice myself doing it for with my older children. But just being quiet and being very matter of fact is really helpful with toddlers and little ones too. So thank you for that great advice. You're welcome. Another common question, and I actually c- kind of combined two questions here because they were really similar. So what about church and grocery store trips, travel and unexpected traffic delays? Does it mess them up to wear a diaper? And then related to that is how in this society can we ease full-time stress-free without popping up and down, worried about missing a cue constantly? And this mom was mostly specifically talking about when she was out and about with her little one. Mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing about EC is <laughs> I like to say it's totally customizable. You can choose when and where you wish to do EC or not. Um, if you are only doing it home, only do it at home. If you are doing it when out and about, but you won't have them in underwear when out and about, that's fine. You can use a diaper backup when out and about. Um, so really, just choose, am I going to be doing EC during a grocery store trip or not? And if you're not, if you can't or you don't want to, you can talk to your baby and say, we're not going to go to the potty right now. You can go in your diaper. And Nine times out of ten, they will just do that. I found that it doesn't confuse them until you get to the toddler age when if they're asking to go to the bathroom, you should probably take them. Um, But with babies, you can do a blend of using a diaper and not e-seeing and then saying, okay, now that we're at home, we're going to be using the potty. Again, less words, but definitely communicating when and where we are actually practicing this. it just kind of, it's nice to zoom out and sort of look at the baby with overall needs. Um, okay, she needs to eat, she needs to sleep, she needs to be warm, she needs love, she needs to potty. And then address all of the needs as a whole baby. And with any aspect of that, you won't want to, like I just said, you won't want to overdo any certain part of it. So what I do when I'm in the grocery store, I find the bathroom first. I offer the potty-tunity first, and then I go about my shopping without having to worry about it. At church, I would go to the bathroom first, um, sit through the service. If my baby really was insisting on going, if a baby starts crying in church, you usually take them out, right? So take them out, offer a potty-tunity. It's just like addressing any other need. Um, You don't want to be paranoid about it. But you also don't want to ignore the needs unless you have to. Now, say, for instance, traveling. We traveled to Thailand for three months last winter. There was a lot. There were a lot of planes, tuk-tuks, uh, buses. You name it, we did it, and we eased in all of those situations. We had a lot of misses during times of transition. This is to be expected. So having a backup on them at those times is a good idea. You can travel with a little top hat potty that fits between your legs. You can um, just really be aware of where the public toilets are around you. And just the main thing I could say is 
it won't mess them up to wear a diaper during these times. It'll help you all to be less stressed. And generally, the diaper will probably be dry anyway. So there is a certain amount of they get that they might need to hold it. And if they're old enough and able to do it, they will. So that covers out and about. But then how can we EC full-time without the stress and without worry and popping up and down all the time? Um, this goes back to not hyper-focusing on it above any other need. So it's just a matter of zooming out. I'm going to zoom out, and, and it relieves the stress. You know, we just do our best, and if we forget, oh, you haven't eaten in an hour, that's why you're so upset, then we fix it. And the key in EC and in anything parenting is to be really easy on yourself and just to do the best you can and know that you're not going to screw up your child <laughs> by missing something. <laughs> okay, great advice. And one piece of advice that's been helpful for us is to have a little a little potty in the car especially if you know you're going somewhere like a mall, which either has disgusting public toilets or not easily accessible ones. So that's something that's helped us when we're out, too. Mm-hmm. Us, too. And how how do you handle pottying them at night without not getting any sleep yourself? That is one of the top questions that I get from people. That section of my book, Nighttime EC, begins with, do whatever makes everyone get the the most sleep. So everyone in the family needs to be getting the most sleep. If doing EC at night doesn't give you more sleep because your baby's more settled because he's been potted, then don't do it. Um, a lot of people who start doing EC during the daytime <clears throat> really want to be perfect at it day and night. Well, the first thing is you can't ever be perfect at anything parenting, especially EC. And the second thing is, where are you in that picture? Um, the parent really needs to be rested, obviously, in order to take care of the baby during the day. So you can make the choice, um, do the research, learn how to do nighttime EC, decide whether you want to do it or not. And if you don't want to do it, then all you need to do is just change change the diaper when she's wet at night and soothe her back to sleep however you do that. Um, one key thing to note is that nighttime dryness actually follows daytime dryness. And the less you offer at night sometimes results in them holding it longer at night. There was a point where I was just absolutely going crazy with no sleep at about 11 months. And um, my friend suggested that I just don't potty him at night for a couple weeks. So I stopped, completely cold turkey, stopped nighttime EC for two weeks. At the end of that two weeks, he was holding it for seven or eight hours a night and fine with it. So, And we all got more sleep. So <laughs> just from my experience, EC at night isn't necessarily um, in everyone's menu of what they choose to do. Okay, that's great. I love the way that you emphasize just, again, being so matter-of-fact and then honoring the whole family in that picture. It's just mm -hmm. really nice, a very refreshing view. All right. So that's the end of our common questions and our interview questions. If you want more information on Andrea's fabulous book, EC Simplified, you can go to www.birthbabylife.com slash EC Simplified. I'll also put that in the show notes, and I'll put information about the book that Andrea mentioned at the beginning of the interview in the show notes too. 
And that was all the questions that I had. Did you want to say anything, Andrea, anything about your book or about yourself or your upcoming projects? Um, well, you've pretty much covered it. I appreciate your introduction and, and everything you've said about the book. Um, there is a pardon me, there is usually some sort of coupon on my newsletter opt-in form, so I encourage parents to um, use that. And I am working on a couple other projects with my parenting consulting. Um, that's going to be at andreaolson.com. It's O-L-S-O-N. And uh, the other really exciting project that many of us in the EC industry are sort of collaborating on is Go Diaper Free. And that's going to be an awareness week that's going to start in 2013. So keep an ear out on that. But basically we're going to have a week, a weekly international or a week-long international awareness week about how you can go diaper-free with a child of any age. And the last thing I do want to mention is if your child is over 18 months old and EC sounds good to you, um, it's not developmentally appropriate at that age any longer. They need mastery a little bit more quickly. And I have a resource um, for all of your older toddlers out there, uh, non-coercive potty training, and it takes about an average of seven days. And there's a part in there of what to do if you've done some EC in the past even. And it's written by my friend Jamie Glowacki. So uh, it's, if you don't mind me sharing this, it might help with those of you who have a younger baby you want to EC and an older child who's not yet potty trained. Um, she can be found at www.jamieglowacki.com, and maybe you could put that in your show notes too. It's J-A-M-I-E Glowacki, and she is just a wonderful resource as well. Um, between the two of us, our goal is to get everybody out of diapers as possible if the parent wants that. <laughs> so that's about all that's up um, our sleeves over here. But I, I just really enjoy your website, Kristen, and I so appreciate you having me on your show. Well, I thank you so much for being here, Andrea. And I will have all of that in the show notes for those of you who are listening, how you can find out more about Andrea and you can um, find out more about Jamie's resource as well. And just thank you so much, Andrea, for being here with us today and giving us a little bit of information on how we can realistically be diaper-free with our little ones in the modern world. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Kristen. Again, I just want to thank Andrea so much for that fantastic interview. I hoped you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it with her. And again, if you want to get more information about Andrea and her book, you can go to birthbabylife.com slash simplified. And I'll also have all of those links in the show notes. I want to remind you that this week we should be live in the iTunes directory and all the other podcast directories. And if you liked this show, or even if you didn't, I'd love to hear your opinion of everything. So go ahead and give us a rating. Let me know what you think about the show. And we will see you on the next episode of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.